pretty neat, eh? It's been a long time in the works, um, and it just so happens that we are in a series for Christmas uh, called Home for Christmas, and so all the way from Iraq, they'll be home for Christmas. It's pretty neat. For those of you that don't know me, I am Chris. My name is Chris. I am one of the pastors on staff, uh, and uh, this morning I just want to take a little bit of time. We're going to chat a little bit, but... um, before I do, last week I was actually supposed to speak, and uh, on Friday morning I woke up and had strep throat, and by Saturday I had no voice, and so Saturday afternoon I made a, I sent a quick text over to Pastor Ben and just said, listen, I can whisper my whole sermon, or we can make a swap. And so Pastor Ben on Saturday put together last week's sermon. So I just want to publicly just say thank you to Pastor Ben for rescuing me. I don't know if I would have been able to pull it off without him. So Jesus loves you would have been the whole sermon basically. Um, we're talking about home for Christmas. And so we've, we're, we're in the middle of a series last week. Pastor Ben talked about Nazareth uh, as a home. Um, home is an interesting thing. Home is, means many things to different people. I have a seven-year-old uh, son, and so I asked him, I said, Tyson, when I, when I say home, what do you think of right away? How does it make you feel? And his mother and I work very hard to give them a wonderful home. And so I thought I'll get a nice heartwarming response that I can share with the church and people will cry. It'll be wonderful. Uh, so I said, Tyson, what do you, when I say home, what do you think of? What does it make you feel? He goes, oh, I hate it. <laughs> I was like, what? He said, yeah, every time I hear home, I think of homework and I hate homework. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I'm with you. I don't like it either. Um, so home means different things. Um, if I broke out into the song Home for Christmas right now and started singing, how many people know, I knew James was, I know Pastor James was going to say that, I'm not singing it, everybody will get up and leave. Um, I'm not Michael Bublé, I can't pull it off. I'll be home. Okay, so if I sing the song, how many people in the room, and I'm going to ask you to stand, how many people in the room, the first thought of Home for Christmas is somewhere other than Calgary? If that, if you're, if home for Christmas is other, somewhere else other than Calgary, stand up. Is there anybody in the room where home would be anywhere other than Calgary? You have to take your spouse. I can see you giggling down here. Okay, perfect. Can I show you a picture of the one place on the planet that is home for me. I, I, regardless of wherever I go, this spot right here is in Bentley, Alberta. Population uh, 432, unless somebody died in the last week. Um, this picture was taken in, ni- in the early 1960s, but this is my grandfather's farm. And if you look very, very closely, you probably can't see it, but there's a yellow house... And there's a white stick figure. That is my grandma in 1963. This picture, every time I see it, I have it at home. And every time I see this picture, this is home to me. I love this place. So much so that my son, Tyson, his middle name is Bentley. I named my son after this place. Uh, I love this place. Now, 
home means different things to different people. And so my wife, when she looks at this place, she doesn't see this wonderful home spot. She sees... Um, when people die without the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, they go to a place something like this to my wife. Um, this would be torture to her. Um, but home is so different. So we're, we're in a series talking about home for Christmas. And today I'm going to focus on the little town of Bethlehem. And Bethlehem has got a unique... Uh, unique story. It's a unique place. Um, but we're going to focus on that. But let's start with this. I feel like we need to start with the Christmas story. Uh, if you are anything like me, uh, before we were ever allowed to open any gifts on Christmas morning, my dad had to read the Christmas story. And as we got older, my dad began to read the story slower and slower just to antagonize us. But I won't do that. So let's read here. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and, and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to, whomever his, or to whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what he had been told about, his chi- about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And this is the story that changed the history of humanity. It's a powerful story. It's an incredible story of God sending his son to, to, to come to earth for all of us. There's so much hope in that. For some people, Bethlehem, um, sometimes we go through situations, times in our life, and Bethlehem can be a place where you find yourself stuck. It's just the place that life takes you. Mary and Joseph, can you imagine what they were thinking, what they were going through? Because Bethlehem was not part of the plan. It wasn't, it wasn't the plan for them. When, when they got the news that they were expecting a, a child, going to Bethlehem was never there. When my wife was having uh, our kids, we had a midwife. And every time we met with the midwife, our midwife would say, now, 
have you considered a home birth? And every time she would ask me, I'd say, we absolutely have considered it, and we have outright rejected the idea. So please don't ask again. And then the next time we'd meet her, she'd say, hey, have you considered a home birth? Well, I can probably guess that nowhere in Mary's plan was a barn birth part of the plan. She probably had no desire to make a trek from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem. It's actually, uh, I did some Google mapping, and to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem is 144 kilometers. So to put it in our context, it is 148 kilometers to get from Calgary to Red Deer. So imagine being pregnant and trying to make that journey to end up in a barn to have your child. Not the plan. Google Maps says it would take you 30 hours to walk from Calgary to Red Deer. 30 straight hours of walking. I don't like getting off the couch to get a drink. Bethlehem isn't always the greatest experience. For Mary and Joseph, they didn't know what they were getting into. They had no clue what they were uh, going to, where they were going to stay. They had no idea what the details were heading to Bethlehem. They just knew they had to make this journey because they were required by the government. Sometimes we get in situations in our lives where we're in a Bethlehem. A moment, a situation in our lives. And it might be a place for you. It might be that you find yourself here in this place and you have no idea how you got here. But it also might be just a time in your life. Something's happened. A kid's gotten sick. Your child, your child is sick. Or maybe your Bethlehem is, is your spouse has walked out on you. Or maybe, maybe it's a parent that's, that's passed away. And you're stuck in this moment that you didn't expect to be in. Life just took you there. Life just, life just showed up unexpected and now you're stuck dealing with this place called Bethlehem. We're going to look at some things that you'll find as you go through uh, those places of Bethlehem. The first thing I want to I say to you about Bethlehem's is God's got a purpose. God has a purpose. It is no accident that you're where you're at. It is no accident that you are going through what you're going through. God places within us a purpose. And he unfolds his story through our lives. I read, uh, I heard a guy talking and he referenced a, a, um, a study that was done. And this study was done in the 1930s in a school in Europe. A university in Europe. And... Uh, it clearly was, as I tell you the story, it's clearly an old study and it was clearly uh, not today because you'd never get away with a study like this today. But it's the most epic, incredible study I've ever seen anybody do. Here's, here's what they did. They took a group of people and they split them into two groups. They took the first group of people and they put them in a maze. And they basically said to them, find your way out. So the people all tried to find their way out. And here is the results of them finding their way out of the maze. On average, this group of people made 23 mistakes in the maze. And it took them 14 minutes and 23 seconds to get to the exit in the maze. Okay? 
here's where the story becomes absolutely epic and amazing, and you'd never be able to do it. Any, you'd never be able to do it in today's world because we're doing safe spots for baby. It's cold outside. So they took this second group and they put the second group in the maze. But just before they started to find their way out, the last thing they said to them was, in five minutes, we're going to release a bunch of snakes to follow you out. Told you, you'd never be able to do this in today's world. Here's what they found with that second group. The second group only made 12 mistakes as opposed to 23 mistakes to find their way out on average. They also made it out of the maze in 9 minutes and 47 seconds. So almost 5 minutes less than the first group. It is amazing what happens when you're given purpose. I can tell you that if I was in this maze and they told me that, it would take me about six seconds to get out of the maze because I would climb over the wall. God's placed purpose inside you. And so even though you're in the middle of a Bethlehem situation where you didn't expect to find yourself, there's purpose. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You are God's special possession. He's got a purpose for you. My son has uh, some special possessions. And they are actually in my office, and everybody makes fun of me, but his... He gets these um, senator bobbleheads. There's Ottawa senators. Go, sends, go. Nobody in the room. Okay. So he's got these bobbleheads that he's been that my my sister's been giving him, and they're his special possession. And so when we moved here, he was like, "Dad, you need to put them in your office because if they're in my room, they'll all get broken." He understood that a special possession needs to have a special place. God's got a special purpose for each of us. Romans 8, 28 says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God has a purpose in the middle of the uncertainty of those situations. The second thing that God's doing in the middle of a Bethlehem situation is he's got a process. He has a process that he's, that he's got that he wants to see unfold. A lot of the scholars believe that one of the reasons why Joseph would have had to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem is because he actually owned property in Bethlehem. Um, and so he would have had to go to be registered near that property. And for whatever reason, that property was unavailable for them to stay. Either there was nowhere to stay on it, it was just land, or someone else was using it, but they had no ability to use it. When my family and I moved to Calgary, uh, the market in Ottawa was terrible, and so we decided to rent our house out. And uh, so we, it was great. We rented it out. We had people living in the house. But the first Christmas that we went back to Ottawa, we had Christmas at my parents' house. So my parents literally live about three blocks from where our house was. 
And I remember lying on the couch for Christmas and thinking, I own a house three blocks from here and I'm sleeping on a couch. And being uncomfortable and my kids coming and sleeping on top of me while I was on the couch. It was a miserable experience. And yet I owned property right nearby. But there was a process. We ended up selling the house when the market went up and we made more money and there was a process to it. And so you put up with those moments that you don't want to deal with. Here's an interesting thing. Matthew chapter 2 we read the story of the Magi and how they came from the east. And they uh, basically came to find a king. Bethlehem is about 10 kilometers, but 9 kilometers from Jerusalem. And so they likely were heading for Jerusalem because that's where you would expect to find a king, not a town like Bethlehem. But as they began to make their way, they ended up getting directed to Bethlehem. I've often wondered how they would show up at a stable and see a baby in a manger and how they'd be so certain that this was a king because it was unlike any other birth of a, of a king that the world's ever seen. But how did they know for sure? Well, I think God was perfect in planning out the process for them to know the answer to that question. The Magi would have been from the, the Persian um, kingdom. And so they, the king basically based everything he did off of astrology. That was their culture. Everything was, everything was in the stars. If it wasn't in the stars, they didn't do it. If, it was, if, if something happened in the stars, it would change everything. You see a shooting star, it meant something was going to happen. And so everything about their culture was based on what the stars would tell them. They would try and interpret everything through that. They would never make a decision without the stars telling them what to do. So then as these magi begin to search for this king, God shows up in the process and does the one thing that would speak to these men. The one thing that would, that would show these men that the real king had shown up. He sends a star. He sends a star. Could have sent anything. He's, he's led his people by a cloud. He's led his people by a pillar of fire. God could do anything. But he understood the process to get the magi to the birthplace of the king was the one thing that they would never ignore. A star. So a star shows up in the sky and they have to follow to see what it's speaking to. God understood the process that would take to bring these magi to the the place of the manger. God cares about the process that you're going through. We often think that the destination is the most important thing. Wherever we're going to end up is what God really cares about. But God cares about what's going on in your world today. When you're in the middle of your Bethlehem, God's there. He cares. He cares about the process. He's got a plan that he's going to take you through. 
2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. There's a process that takes place. And what has happened in the past is not necessarily what God sees. He sees the process he's taking you on. There's a new creation that is coming. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are God's workmanship, which means there is work happening in us all the time. The process for God does not stop for us. We don't get to a spot and go, God doesn't, isn't surprised by us being in a spot in our life that we never saw coming. He's not shocked by it. He knows the process that you're on. You are his workmanship. He has a plan for you. The third thing that, um, that we see that God's got when you're in a Bethlehem situation is that God has a promise that he needs to be fulfilled. Micah 5, chapter 2, or verse 2 says this, but you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village. They actually figure that Bethlehem was somewhere under a thousand people, so it is a small village, among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. And so Bethlehem Though it wasn't Mary and Joseph's plan, it wasn't the spot they expected life to take them. It wasn't the spot that they had planned out that they thought, this will be perfect, we'll have our child. It wasn't the plan. And yet, in the middle of that, God, 400 years ago, some 500 years earlier, predicted, he prophesied that a Savior would be born in the town of Bethlehem, and the promise was being fulfilled. 500 years before Mary and Joseph, God planned it out. God called it. He called his shot. He called his shot. There's a promise that needs to be fulfilled. Uh, when I worked in Ottawa, I, I've said this before, but I worked uh, for a nonprofit and uh, we took care of men that had addiction problems. And one day I got a call from a guy uh, who was in prison. And uh, he said he'd never, as long as he can remember outside of prison, he'd never lived without drugs. And so he said, I want to I wanna talk to you. So I, I went in to meet with this guy, and I'm sitting in the box in jail, and he's sitting across the table from me. And uh, we got talking, and he said, yeah, I've never, I've just never been able to, to kick the habit. It's just, it's affected everything I've, I've done and I said, well, what did you do? And he said, well, I didn't do anything. I was wrongly accused, but they, they accused me of murder. And, and so I've been in jail for the last 12 years. I think it was 11 years. I was like, okay, well, I, you didn't do it. That's reassuring because I'm trapped in a room with you. And so we eventually decided, you know what, we're going to give this guy a shot. And so we took him in. And I remember one chapel service we were sitting and the guy that was leading the service was talking about confession and how important confession was. And so he was giving the guys an opportunity to, 
to confess if they wanted to confess to anything. And so we're sitting in a circle, and I'm sitting beside him. We're going to call him Steve. He was sitting beside me. He was probably in his 50s, mid-50s. And as we're going around the circle, guys are confessing. You know, I beat up my girlfriend. I stole a car. And so they're all going around the room talking. And so he comes up, and he goes, well, I shot a guy in the back of the head. And the room just kind of went silent. We're like, what do we do with this information? And then I had to go. And I was like, I stole bubble gum when I was 12. I tell the story to say this. I was speaking to his mother who was in her 80s. And she said to me, I've been praying for my son for almost 40 years. She said, when I first started praying for my son, God told me that he was going to give me my prayer. That my son was going to be saved. She said, I want you to know that you are the promise that God promised me. And I sat there going, wow, that's a lot of pressure. But it made me realize that there are moments in our lives where we may be in a situation. You may be in a Bethlehem that you didn't expect to see. But in that moment, you can be somebody's promise. You can be somebody's promise. That person that sits in the cubicle beside you, they're waiting for somebody to be the promise for them. That neighbor that screams at everybody to get off their lawn, they need somebody to be the promise that God's provided for them. We have a a neighbor that lives around the corner from us and you walk by his house and he's got six signs that uh, are all over his lawn uh, warning people that they're going to attack your dog if your dog poops on his lawn. I'm like, that's intense. He's got six signs. I'm like, man, that's... I might need to be the promise for that neighbor who's terrified of people pooping on his lawn. Or people? Dogs pooping on his lawn. (laughs) Please don't go poop on his lawn. I didn't give you permission. By the way, if that's you and you're here, hi, I'm your neighbor. God has a promise that he wants to see delivered. And that promise, as we look at the story, the Christmas story, we look at Bethlehem. It was in that moment in Bethlehem for for Joseph and Mary that hope entered the world for you and I. It was in that moment when Mary and Joseph were probably in the worst spot they could be in to have a child, and yet hope entered the equation for all of humanity. Think about that. If Joseph is anything like me, he was probably having a pity party. He was probably freaking out. This isn't how things are supposed to go. This wasn't the plan. This wasn't what we were meant to do. And yet, in, those, in that moment, in that moment, the Messiah was born and all of humanity, the all, entire path of humanity was forever changed. Because the promise came to humanity. Worship team can come up. Deuteronomy 31.8 says this. The Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So in those moments 
of Bethlehem. In those moments where you're like, I didn't know I was going to end up here. I didn't expect my family to fall apart. I didn't expect my kids to walk away. I didn't expect financially to be in this place. In all of those moments, do not be discouraged because God is with you. The Lord himself goes before you. The Lord himself goes before you. The promise is gone ahead of you. For Mary and Joseph, the promise went almost 500 years in front of them. Joshua 1.9 says this, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. So wherever life takes you, you may say, I, I didn't know I was going to be in Calgary. I didn't know I was going to be in church this morning. Do not be afraid. God has gone before you. He knows. I don't think it's an accident that you're here. I don't think it's an accident that you're in the city of Calgary. Because there is a time coming for this city where God is going to do something incredible. And all of us are going to be part of it. Each of us. This isn't, oh, Pastor Ben, you better carry this. No, 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 no. All of us for this time. All of us. Regardless of whether you thought you'd be here. When we first talked to Pastor Ben and the team about coming out to Calgary, we flew out here and they actually hired my wife. Uh, It wasn't, wasn't me, it was my wife they were looking at and hiring. And so we got on the plane to come home and my wife said to me, you know, I think we need to just pray about it. Let's not talk about it. Let's just, you pray, I'll pray. And then we'll, and then we'll have a conversation in a little bit. But let's just pray about it. I was like, that's wisdom, woman, wisdom. Everything she says is wisdom for the record. So we took about a week and it's probably four or five days, six days, whatever. I came up to her and I said, listen, I think we need to talk about whether or not we're going to move across the country to Calgary. And she said, that's fine. We'll talk about it. But I need you to know something. I've already told them we're coming. I was like, cool, let's go. And I got nothing else to say. I was still working for the nonprofit when we first moved to Calgary. And you're trying to lead a staff in Ottawa and you're 3,000 kilometers away in Calgary. And it was was tough. I had a really tough season. I'd get up in the morning and walk down to my basement and sit at a desk. At the end of the day, I'd walk upstairs and have dinner. Didn't talk to anybody. Trying to figure out what's going on half a country away. It wasn't the season I thought I'd find myself in. But here's the thing. Bethlehem wasn't forever. Bethlehem wasn't forever. Mary and Joseph were not going to be in Bethlehem forever. The Bethlehem that I was experiencing wasn't forever. The Bethlehem that you might be going through in your life is not forever because there's a king that's come that's brought hope to a world. There is hope for each of us. 
So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to, uh, you know what, I'm going to ask you to stand. You may find that you are, you don't have no idea how you ended up here. You don't know how you walked into church. You don't know why you're here. Can I tell you something? I believe that God's fulfilling a promise right now in, in your life. Somebody's been praying for you. If somebody, ha- if you don't know who they are, I can tell you there are people here that have been praying for you. And so maybe you're in this spot and you're just, I, you, you don't, you're like, I don't even know about this. I don't even, I'm just here because somebody told me I had to come. I want to give you an opportunity today I want to give you an opportunity to come into relationship with Jesus Christ, the King that came to a stable in Bethlehem. So here's what we're going to do. Everybody close your eyes, bow your heads. If you're here and you just find yourself in a situation, you're just, I did not expect my life to be like this. I did not expect this Bethlehem moment. But you want God to come in and help you get to the other side of your Bethlehem moment. I want to give you the opportunity. So if you want to make a decision today to serve Jesus, I, I just want to pray for you. And so if that's you, just throw your hand up. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know who I'm praying for. And so if, if you're in the room, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In the balcony, anybody up there? Thank you. There's a good number of you. I just want to pray for you. But we've, we're in a series called Home for Christmas. Can I just say to those of you that put your hand up, welcome home. Welcome home. Father, for each person that put their hand up this morning, God, I pray that whatever the circumstance that life has brought them, God, I pray that you would come to them. God, you would bring comfort. God, that all fear, all discouragement, God, would be cast aside. That God, you would show up and that, God, your promise would be revealed in their lives. God, thank you for what you're doing in their lives. God, we... God, we thank you for the hope we have in you. Other things are going to let us down, but God, our hope in you is firm. It's a strong foundation. So we thank you. For the rest of you that are are here, maybe life has just shown up and you you haven't known how to respond. You don't know where to turn to. You don't know where to go. We have a prayer team. In fact, I'm going to ask the, the prayer team to come to the front now. You might be going through something and you just need somebody to pray with you. You need, you need to know that there's purpose in what you're going through. 
You need to know that there's a process, that God hasn't forgotten you, but he's working through a process in your life. Maybe you need to know that the promise needs to be, that, that the promise that's in front of you needs to be revealed. I want to encourage you, take advantage of these people. They want to pray with you. They want to pray with you this morning. Don't try and go through life by yourself. If you made a decision today to follow Jesus for the first time, can I just, Pastor Casey is standing over here under this new life sign over here. He's waving at you. Can I just encourage you after the service is over, go go talk with him. He's not going to embarrass you. There's no, you know, there's no skill testing question you need to answer. He just wants to have a conversation with you. So if you made a decision today, don't walk out without going and talking to Pastor Casey. The rest of you, if you need prayer, I invite you to come to the front. Let's just pray together. Bethlehem is not forever. God has a promise for you, and he wants to see you through.